Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the CCGI podcast. Last week we interviewed Dr. Chad Kulak and discussed chiropractic in Alberta as well as scope expansion. This week we have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Francis LeBlanc, Executive Director of the New Brunswick Chiropractic Association. Francis has been advocating on behalf of chiropractors at the provincial and federal level for a long time and we're excited to be speaking with her. Before we interview Francis, Kent and I would like to discuss graduate programs for chiropractors. I think it's safe to say that many of our listeners are curious by nature and have a passion for research. I've spoken to several chiropractors who have an interest in enrolling in a master's degree program. So Kent and I thought we would discuss a few different options for clinicians seeking continuing education opportunities. Uh, I know Kent completed his master's degree through the University of Sheffield, and I'm currently working on mine through the University of British Columbia. Kent, what's your advice for chiropractors looking into graduate programs? Well, thanks, Galen. Um, I think probably the first thing that uh, that you need to determine if you're if you're looking into a graduate program is whether you want to study full time or part time, uh, and then from there, uh, sort of determining the format that you think will work best for you, whether it would be uh, an in class format or blended learning or or purely online learning. Each of those formats have have their own different pros and cons, and some will be more important than others, depending on the way that it'll fit into the way you know your particular learning style, and then honestly how it fits into your personal and professional life as well. Um, we should probably focus here on online learning, since most clinicians aren't able to take two two years off from full time practice to complete a master's degree. Uh, the program that I did was online. But that worked for me because at the time I was in full-time practice and my wife and I had a young family that was growing and and uh, that that really seemed to be the, the best way for me to go. Galen, how's your program structured? Uh, well, mine's uh, through uh, Rehab Science at UBC and it's completely online, which is nice for me. I take one course at a time, which is about eight to ten hours uh, of a time commitment per week usually late at night when family's asleep. Um, And by taking one course at a time, three courses per year, you can expect to be finished in just over three years while not having to take too much time away from clinical practice, which is really important to me. Other programs that I'm aware of, I I looked this up online trying to get a a sense of what other programs are out there, but there's a program through the University of Western States in exercise and sports science with uh, there's my master university offering an online course-based health sciences education masters. Lakehead University and the University of Victoria offer online public health master's degrees. And these are just a few examples of different programs. But ultimately, it comes down to why you want to learn, what program you're passionate about, and how you're going to make time for it. Uh, Ultimately, if you're passionate about it, you'll make the time, but it's not easy. Uh, We could discuss this topic for a long time, but we've got much more interesting things to talk about. And we have Dr. Frances LeBlanc with us today. She is the executive director of the New Brunswick Chiropractic Association after working as senior manager of government relations for the Canadian Chiropractic Association. Frances also works as a part-time clinician in Moncton. She continues to support the work of numerous organizations and groups, including as a best practice collaborator with the CCGI. In addition, she continues to serve on review groups and has a keen interest in health system research and health promotion. Welcome, Frances. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Francis, thanks uh, thanks again for joining us. What uh, what can you tell us about the new role as executive director with the NBCA? Yeah, so I've been working as the executive director of the New Brunswick Chiropractors Association since early July, so it's relatively new. Um, but I was hired at a very interesting time in the NBCA's history, um, where 
the NBCA board was working on a new strategic plan um, with key invest, uh, investments in products and better ways to support our members and really shifting towards a very much uh, proactive approach to the work we were doing here in New Brunswick. Um, so this is very much in line with um, accomplishing our vision here in New Brunswick, which is a, to improve the health and well-being of New Brunswickers. Um, as you may know, the NBCA is both a professional association as well as a regulatory body. So that has um, its own sort of challenges, but we have specific process in place to manage both. Um, it's It's been really great to be what I'm going to say back home, uh, New Brunswick is my home province. Um, and it's been great to directly help to advance the profession out east. Um, I really truly believe in smaller provinces. There's a lot of opportunities to affect change, um, which ultimately helps patient access care um, that they need by the right people. Um, so I joined at a really interesting time um, with the support, obviously, of a very experienced board and a keen and engaged membership. Um, even though we have a fairly small membership, they are very active in their community and it really helps in advancing the work that we're doing here in New Brunswick and in Atlantic Canada, ultimately. Oh, that's great. So as, as you kind of transitioned from working working with the CCA and advocacy at a federal level to the NBCA, where your work's more on a provincial level, what do you what have you sort of noticed? Yeah, so there's a number of similarities and differences, but I think um, I'm very grateful for the experience um, I've I've gotten from the CCA. Um, it certainly serves as a, a really strong foundation for the work that we're doing here provincially. Um, and working from a national scale really helps to sort of see the unique overview of the landscape across Canada. So what are the opportunities um, that exist across Canada and how can we leverage existing um, projects in different provinces to advance our objectives here in New Brunswick? Um, so that's been very helpful. Um, in terms of the main differences, well, we we do follow what is commonly called as a pseudo-federal model. So there's specific mandates and specific um, objectives, both at the national and provincial level. So, for example, we know that the allocation of resources in healthcare happens largely provincially. So how the care is rendered and ultimately who has access to what type of service as well as the scope of activities um, is also determined provincially. So I would say the main difference um, from my still fairly limited experience provincially is that um, there's really sort of tangible opportunities to affect change directly for members and their patients provincially. So for example, a lot of the work that's done provincially um, relates to innovation, integration of services, changes in scope, et cetera. So that's a very sort of local um, on the ground change. Um, also advocacy, as we know, often happens locally and I would say even more so provincially. So the provincial association and the NBC in this case um, has a really great working relationship with our members. Um, which really helps in advancing our advocacy work. So our members can be sort of advocates for, for our work and vice versa. 
Um, and they can really help to amplify our work, especially in associations where we're fairly small um, and with limited capacity. So it's really critical for us provincially to leverage um, our new and existing relationships, be it with chiropractic stakeholders like the CCGI, for example, um, but also with our members. So investing in grassroots is more so important um, than I would say perhaps federally, which is a bit more um, sort of global um, policy changes. So I would say that's the sort of biggest difference um, I've noticed. And also the relationship we maintain with the government is unique here in New Brunswick because we're both professional association and regulatory body. So we have sort of that duality and that that double relationship and how we navigate uh, to ensure that we both um, fulfill both mandates appropriately. Yeah, I would imagine, especially in a smaller province, that those relationships would be even more meaningful too, be, because you're you're communicating with stakeholders and other groups on a quite a frequent basis. Um, can you can you tell our, our listeners a bit about the the, the landscape of chiropractic in New Brunswick for those who don't know and, and the future plans for the province? Yeah, absolutely. And I would add to your comment, Galen, um, I think in New Brunswick and probably in Atlantic Canada as a whole, government relations or advocacy is very much relationship driven. Um, so building and maintaining those relationships is really, really critical. And I would say that actually transpires in um, the practice of chiropractic, right? Mm -hmm. Referrals, et cetera, are still very much relationship based. Yeah. Um, my pitch, and I really actually believe this, is that New Brunswick is actually a really great place to live and to practice chiropractic. Um, we have approximately 86 licensed chiropractors uh, practicing across the province, um, and we don't necessarily suffer from the same sort of issue as larger provinces where there's a saturation in some centers, we're actually spread out quite evenly across the province. And it sort of mimics the distribution of um, the population as well. So we maintain some of the best chiropractor per population ratio in Canada. Um, so interestingly, the NBCA um, has also had what I'm going to call a significant influx of newer members in probably the last five to 10 years. Um, so that's that sort of driven the change that we're seeing at the NBCA of really adapting to the members' needs, uh, looking to obviously better support all members along the practice continuum, um, but also targeting some subgroups that may need additional support, including new grads, uh, young mothers, things like that. Um, and we know that in Atlantic Canada, the, the utilization has been fairly stagnant. However, um, from national public market research, our patients tend to be happier than anywhere else in Canada. So from that perspective, I think <laughs> it's good. a really great foundation. Um, we have obviously opportunities for growth in terms of access and utilization, but the people who are seeing us um, are really happy with the care and certainly helps in terms of the word of mouth, et cetera. So we're, we're really, um, I think, privileged here in New Brunswick um, to be working in, in such a, you know, pretty happy, content environment. And interestingly, there's a number of emerging issues that I think as a, as a profession, we can certainly be part of the solution and our unique opportunities for us at the NBCA and for our members. So 
New Brunswick has one of the, if not the highest aging population in Canada. So obviously in terms of morbidity, uh, mortality related to falls, uh, chronic pain management or chronic conditions, etc. Um, as well as we have a, a really high prevalence of musculoskeletal disorders. So from recent um, data from the New Brunswick Health Council, we know that pain and MSK are amongst the leading in terms of cost of uh, chronic conditions. So that's obviously a unique opportunity to to be part of the solution, as well as perhaps not as, as much as the Western province, but certainly talking about opioid and the opioid crisis and what we can do to enhance access to conservative care to uh, reduce the over-reliance on pharmacotherapies. So these are all sort of opportunities that we're working um, with our members and partners to address. Um, from an operational point of view, there's certainly other things that we're looking to do, uh, including, including streamlining some process and reviewing some policies and procedures, our bylaws, obviously. But as I mentioned earlier, a lot of our attention will be very much to um, build relationship and leverage strategic partnerships, both uh, inside the profession and outside, to be able to really achieve um, the results that will matter both to our members and to patients ultimately. It's really nice to hear that you're looking at your your um, pool of practitioners and understanding and identifying what their needs are, especially if you have an influx of new grads. I would imagine that that significantly changes the landscape of chiropractors and New Brunswick. I, I have to admit, I was looking at New Brunswick real estate last week, um, <laughs> living in Vancouver. <laughs> I, I was I was very tempted to 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 uh, consider moving across the country. I would imagine that's quite quite a draw for sure. Um, Absolutely, we'd love to have you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, as as we are representing the CCGI, we have to ask you a question about research. Um, mm. Now, we're wanting to know what research initiatives are taking place in the Maritimes, and and how do they affect the average clinician? Yeah. So, interestingly, um, we have. As you know, likely, we have three DCPHDs integrated directly in universities in Atlantic Canada and some of the sort of biggest universities. So as you know, we have Dr. Jill Hayden at Dalhousie University, Dr. Diana DiCarvalo at Memorial, as well as Dr. Jeff Ebert, which is the last um, appointed chiropractic chair at the University of New Brunswick. Um, the NBCA is really pleased with the recent appointment of Dr. Ebert. We've had early discussions with him about how to collaborate and really confident that he'll be a great addition to both UNB um, to help and also to help advance uh, MSK Health Sciences here in New Brunswick, which is a really big gap in terms of health sciences. Um, he's already a prominent researcher and very very well connected internationally. So that's certainly going to open new doors um, for us in New Brunswick and Canada as a whole. Um, otherwise, um, in New Brunswick, we're looking more specifically to invest uh, locally. So we know that capacity remains an important challenge here in Atlantic Canada and New Brunswick particularly. Um, so that includes um, enhancing our research capacity. And we think that to to start doing that, we need to really connect the appropriate people together. Um, so one of the early projects that we're looking to build is uh, PBRNs, as you're all familiar with. Uh, so for example, we're working closely with Dr. Peter Stilwell from Nova Scotia and others to establish um, a New Brunswick 
PBRN and to expand it in a more regional um, effort that would include all four Atlantic provinces. Um, and I think that by including bigger bigger number of practitioners from the entire region, it also gives us a bit more um, opportunity to do bigger projects, bigger scale, but also really invest practitioners in the work that they're doing, as well in, in research that um, is more so clinically relevant to them. So there's a bit of that ownership piece to it as well. Um, we're also looking to use the New Brunswick PBRN as a way to facilitate knowledge transfer and exchange um, to help ex support sorry, that exchange of information and best practices, um, which include obviously the opinion leader and best practice collaborator uh, process from CCGI as well. Um, otherwise, um, we're exploring other opportunities to really help foster and build capacity locally. Um, there's more details to come of, of what that might look like, but I think this is a concerted effort um, to try to invest locally and to really sort of foster that growth uh, by working with our partners here in Atlantic Canada and obviously across Canada, but um, doing so locally first. In terms of impact for everyday clinician, well, I think I mentioned some of the potential impact. Certainly the increased visibility of researchers helps um, helps to, to make it more accessible for clinicians to either, you know, interact directly with researchers, also understanding the processes. Um, but what we know is that more, as more as, sorry, as more research is coming out and evidence is being built in terms of manual therapy and chiropractic, we know that it largely supports what clinicians already do in practice. Um, but there's still this sort of misunderstanding of the principle of evidence-based practice model. And it's very important, I think, to foster locally projects that will promote evidence-based practice, but also the understanding of evidence-based practice models. So that sort of interaction between, obviously, the clinical expertise, the evidence, and then the patient values and preferences. Um, so what we're doing is very much in line, is to, one, build that awareness of, of the understanding of what evidence-based practice means, and then giving opportunities for clinicians to get involved, so both um, to contribute to projects that they think is meaningful, as well as having a better understanding of the process and research and how research is done, as well as that ownership and understanding of the evidence. Um, so that's why we've been focusing very much in sort of enhancing the, that capacity at a local level and focusing on building a PBRN as, as a first step um, to help um, our members to deliver uh, clinical excellence ultimately. Well, it sounds like there's a lot that the, the larger provinces, uh, in my opinion, can, can learn from the collaboration that, that comes about from being in a smaller province. It's a really unique, unique opportunities that are presented uh, in those kind of environments. Um, we, uh, we, we need to slowly wrap things up here and, and I'm going to have to thank you for your time, Francis. I really appreciate, both of us really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, really happy to, to, to share your, your, your views with, with our audience. For, for the listeners, this is that time of the show when we ask you for a favor. We would like you to check out the podcast on iTunes and hit subscribe. Being a subscriber allows you to access the podcast right away so that you don't miss an episode. 
Yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in, and thanks again, Francis, for joining us. We uh, we look forward to bringing in our next guest in two weeks. Bye for now. <laughs>